It's the Doc Jacques at the Addiction Lifeguard podcast. And on this episode, I'm going to talk to you about failure to launch. I'm going to be talking to you, mom and dad, about your adult child who's living in the basement and not going to school and not working and not launching. Today is going to be an episode of interesting information, difficult to talk about information, and instructional information. I am a specialist in addiction, and addiction is usually what is afoot when it comes to failure to launch, but not always. So I hope that I can give you some words of guidance and wisdom that can help you in deciding action steps and things you should be doing for your adult child who's living in your basement, playing video games, smoking pot, and refusing to do anything. So let's get started with this exciting episode for Failure to Launch. Hey, uh, my child is, uh, I got problems with my child. Um, I was wondering if you could help me. I need, um, to make an appointment for them to, uh, talk to you. (laughs) Okay. What's the problem? Well, um, they're, they're not doing well in school or they're not in school and, um, they're just very anxious and, and seem depressed all the time. Okay. How old is your child? 27, (laughs) 27. Yeah. And okay. So where they're living in, where do they live? Why? Uh, Oh, they live at home. Um, okay. What, what are they doing? What do you mean? What are they working? Are they, what are they doing? No, they're not. They were in school and now they're not in school. Okay. So what, what is it? You're, why are you calling me? What can I ask you that question? Cause they should be calling me as I don't make appointments for third parties through third parties. Oh, Okay, I can give him your number. I just wanted him to talk to somebody. Okay, but does he want to talk to somebody? Well, I he said he did. Okay, have him call me, and I'll be more than happy to set up the appointment. That's how it usually goes. And 95% of the time, I don't get a call. And I'm sure the parent is frustrated with this adult that's been an adult for almost 10 years and it's living in their basement. It's frustrating for everybody. (laughs) A woman calls me frantic and upset because she wants help with her failure to launch son. And her son is someone who was going to college, but he dropped out and drinking and smoking pot. And now he's been living in the basement and he doesn't work regularly. He has a job occasionally, but usually the job ends because he doesn't show up or he gets fired for some reason. And she wants me 
to do something, but she's not really specific about what. And then she says she wants me to talk to her son. And I ask her, where, where is her son? And she says, well, he's in the basement. So the questioning begins. Why are you calling? Why is he not calling? Why is it that he's living in the basement? And what's going on there? And a decision is made that she needs to have an appointment with me and her husband needs to have an appointment with me to talk about the situation because I'm not going to meet with the son until after I meet with the parents because this child that's living in the basement is 24 years old and an adult. So I tell her, I'll make an appointment with you and your husband. I'm not going to meet with you separately but together and you both have to come into my office and then after that you're not going to tell your son that i've met with you but you're going to give him my phone number and tell him to call me and if he calls me then we can set the appointment but he has to make the appointment himself so she says okay and i say all right well call me back when you're ready to make the appointment with your husband and we can start. That was six months ago. I still haven't received a call. <laughs> and I never will because the two parents are not going to come into my office and sit and listen to me tell them that they need to make changes. And so they don't call. And what I used to do is I used to call, uh, call them back and play phone tag, and they might come in, they'd set an appointment, and one of the two parents would show up and the one parent who shows up would tell me that the reason that the other parent didn't show up was because he had a meeting thing, something people to see, whatever. So the whole reason for having both of them there is now gone because she's the only one who shows up. So I don't get anywhere. Now, occasionally I do get both parents to show up and they do ask, good questions like what do we do or how can you fix my son which i can't fix their son because i'm not his parent and so can't really do anything for them beyond just talk to them but, you know one of the problems that seems to be occurring is that the parents are the enablers and the adult child who's been an adult for a while usually they're not 18, 19 years old, but they've gone off to college and flunked out or they've gone out to work and then they've gotten fired and they can't pay rent and they have nowhere to go is the parents take them back in thinking that they're going to help this child that they keep saying is a child, even though they're an adult, um, that they're going to help that person kind of push off disaster. And they don't realize that what they're doing is they're enabling disaster every day that 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 man or that woman wakes up and does nothing with their life. So it, it requires a change in thinking on the parents' part to understand that enabling is actually the biggest part of this problem. Because ironically, what happened before that uh, son or daughter returned back home was that they were able to figure out how to get the job in the first place or get into school. They just didn't show up to class or they didn't do the work and 
get it to a high enough level where they could actually pass the class or, or whatever, or they couldn't perform at work in a way that would sustain uh, employment, but they were able to figure it out. And also oddly enough, they many times were able to figure out how to pay the rent for at least a few months on time. So the concept of being a participating uh, member of society is, is there. So they do understand it. And then they got into this uh, communal living, uh, a socialist form of living where they're just couch surfing in your house. Now, I don't know how it is where you live, but uh, it's, it, I've run into multiple problems um, locally here in Virginia, Northern Virginia. If somebody's in your house for seven days in a row, irrespective of why they're there, they actually have acquired now renter's rights and can't be just thrown out on the street. They have to be evicted. They don't have to pay rent. They don't have to have a lease. They don't have to have anything. They, they ha you have to go through a legal eviction process, <laughs> which is crazy. Well, that's how it is here in Northern Virginia. Uh, maybe in wherever you're listening, that's, you have similar things, you have squatters rights or whatever. So it becomes problematic at that point. But I think what happens here for parents is they lose the idea of, of how to parent. Um, especially when they're coming into my office and they're basically wanting me to parent their child. Uh, I'm a psychologist. I'm not their dad. But there's some fundamental things missing here. Um, you know, I'm a, as a Christ, Christian, uh, understanding parenting um, from from a biblical perspective. You know, we've got lots of instructions in these in these uh, books of the Bible that talk about uh, raising children. Um, and I think we've kind of lost sight on some of this. And some of it is, is uh, thinking that we're going to protect our children from harm. We're going to protect them from feeling bad. We have turned into the feeling society. It's the feeling movement. The self-esteem movement has taken over. And so we're so focused on self-esteem that we've lost an understanding of it's okay to feel bad. It's called everyday misery. And you have to suffer it. And that's how we learn. So, uh, I had a car and my car broke down and I don't have enough money to pay for the stuff I was going to buy and to fix my car. This sucks. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it does. Uh, fix your car. That's what you're going to have to do. Don't go to mom and dad and ask them for 300 bucks to fix your car. You know, it's, you got to figure it out, man. So that's kind of what's missing. I think parents fall into this current trap of the self-esteem movement where we, we just can't, you know, kids have to feel good about themselves and now they feel so good about themselves that they don't feel like they have to do anything. Um, so I, you know, if you got a 23 year old living in your basement, that's full of self-esteem and not doing anything, what do you do? Um, I don't know. Proverbs seven, only fools refuse to be taught. Listen to your father and your mother. What you learn from them will stand you in good stead. It will gain you many honors. Seems pretty, pretty wise. Uh, but for a parent, 
you got to say the words. They can't listen to you if you're not speaking. You have to speak. And trust me, I've had enough of the uh, the the prodigal children in my office to say that, you know, yes, there are prodigal children out there, but they actually do want a better life. Um, most of them living in the basement don't actually like it, especially when their peers start graduating from college, uh, start getting their first jobs, start having money. Uh, they're not living in the basement and, and, and these adults see this who are living in the basement and, and they're troubled by it. They don't like it. So when a parent starts talking about, you know, Hey, it's time to be a responsible adult. Now things are going to change. They may put up a resistance. Um, but at the same time, they actually would prefer not to be in the basement at some point. It gets to the, to the absurd point. So they can list, you know, only fools refuse to be taught. Yeah, they refuse to be taught uh, if they're fools. But most of these uh, adult children are not fools. But you have to speak. As parents, listen to your mother and father. You have to listen to them. Uh, the, uh, you know, the parent, the child does. But the parents have to be speaking. So taking a firm stand and not being part of the problem is, is part of this whole thing. Um, and I, I think that 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 section of Proverbs, Proverbs is very instructional, which is why most guys like it. Um, but that's a good one. Only fools refuse to be taught, but listen to your mother and your father. What you learn from them will stand you in good stead. It will gain you many honors. In other words, you'll be able to go out and actually have a good job and maybe even have a relationship yourself. Um, so you have, as parents, you have to speak to them and speak the truth and be firm, but fair and treat them like adults. Stop the infanticide. Treat them like adults because they are adults. And it's time to acknowledge that as parents. You've raised a child, but they're not a contributing member of society. So you haven't really done your job because that's really your only job is to make them contributing members of society. And so my goal would be to get the parents to finish that job, even though they're adults, but stop the infanticide. This podcast is brought to you by anchor.fm. It's a free podcast platform that has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. It's funny. It's always the parents who are contacting me that are seeing that there's something wrong. It's rarely ever a, an adult child who's living in a basement smoking pot who reaches out to me. I've had it happen. It has happened, but it is so rare. So the parents call and they want help, but they're not quite sure how to do what they need to do. And I can't fault them for that because the self-esteem movement has really polluted our entire society with 
every child must grow up feeling good and that is the only focus of their entire existence is feeling good and it's it's difficult and frustrating as a counselor when I'm trying to guide somebody through their feelings of of uh, frustration as parents but the goal of parenting is contributing member of society that's your goal as a parent to teach your child how to be a contributing member of society we love them we care about them we cherish them but that is our job as a parent and it is a lot of times not really taken seriously and it's leading to a lot of failure to launch So, step-by-step instructions on what to do. First, understand that the 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25-year-old living in your basement is an adult. They are not a child. Change the words that you're using. My child. I think that's probably a trap. It's your son or your daughter. I think when you use the language that you used when they were 10, 9, 8 years old, is perpetuating part of the problem. So first step, let's start using the right terminology when we're speaking. My son, my daughter. I am their mom or their dad, and that is my son or my daughter. My child, I think in, in our minds as parents, returns us back to those days when your child was 5 or 6 years old. So let's change the language. The second thing is you don't have to make them feel better. That's not what you should be doing. You should be treating them like adults. That's why the language thing is so important. So you want to treat them like adults. Uh, Not domineering over those who you're in charge of, but being examples to your flock, be an example to your children that when you're, when you're raising them, if at that point they are 20 years old, you got to be an example for your son or your daughter, treating them with respect and fairly, but with, with reasonable expectations. In other words, kind of like you as an adult, when you, as the, I'm talking about your mom and dad, when you go to work, You have to show up on time, you have to do your job, or you know you're going to get fired, or you're not going to get promoted, or you're going to get demoted. So you show up on time and you do your job. And the expectation is that I'm going to continue to get paid and I'm going to get praised in my reviews and maybe I'll get a promotion, maybe I'll get a raise, and that's the goal. That's the same thing that applies to your son or your daughter. And if you don't pay your mortgage, you don't pay your rent, you will get evicted or foreclosed on. So you pay your mortgage or you pay your rent. That's the expectation. And that's the same for your son or daughter. Couch surfing in your parents' home means that you're homeless. Mom or dad have to understand you've, you've put an adult out in the world who is homeless. You have to make them not homeless. So they have to pay rent or they have to go live somewhere where they're paying rent. If you're paying their rent and they're an adult, they're homeless. 
So try to, you know, get away from the idea of I'm going to have a homeless person living in my house, but be an example by setting the example of saying, okay, here's the rental agreement. You should be living in your parents' house with a rental agreement. And the rent, by rent, I'm not talking about $50 a month or $100 a month because that just perpetuates the idea that I only have to make 100 bucks. It needs to be market market appropriate, market, uh, market fair price. The, the fair market price for rent wherever you are for a room. Uh, look it up on, on, uh, Craigslist, look it up in, in, you know, your local apartment rent website, where, wherever you live, whatever that looks like, wherever in the world you are. So come up with a fair market value for an apartment and charge it with a regular kind of a lease deal where they have to pay it on the first of the month. If they pay it after the fifth of the month, there's a 10% penalty or whatever but it has to be enforced. And if they don't pay the rent, they're under threat of eviction. So fair market value for rent. And then an understanding of what that means. If you, if I, if I rented a room in your house, what would you expect me to do in your house? Trash your house, eat all your food, not contribute anything. What's, what's the deal there? And it should be that for them because what you're trying to do is get them to understand that they're a contributing member of society. And if they had a, uh, roommates and they lived in an apartment, they certainly would be expected to pay the rent and the utilities and buy food and be responsible. So that's, and, and you're doing it. Your, exa- your example is that you're, you're being an example by paying your mortgage and paying your rent or what, whatever your situation is. And yet they are, there not doing that. So be that example but then also in, uh, have something in writing that has an end date, uh, a yearly lease, or if you want to do it for three months or six months with an understanding that they're going to move on, that's fine too. But do that. Um, have structure. Have expectations. If they're going to school full time in college, And that's part of what their rent is. That's their job. Okay, fine. Put that in the lease. You have to be taking classes full time and passing those classes that serves as rent. And so then you get, you know, room and board as part of that. If they're working full time and not going to school, then they must be paying money. There must be an exchange of funds from them to you to pay rent. And it's got to be abided by. So you can you can structure it however you want. Uh, full-time school, that's a job. Full-time job, that's a job. And rent is paid by grades or rent is paid by cash. Anything else should probably be included in there. So if you have issues with like cleaning the common areas, the kitchen, the bathrooms, whatever. Um, but then also have respect for their space. So... If part of the rules are because you're living as a boarder in a house and you're paying rent and there's no alcohol allowed in the house, no drugs and alcohol, no overnight guests, that certainly can be part of that lease agreement. That would be a reasonable expectation for um, somebody renting a room in your house. Um, That would be perfectly fine, but it should be part of it. No misunderstanding about 
drunkenness or getting high or having people spending the night causing problems, whatever. It's your house. So now we have rent, lease covered. We have an expectation of what that is. Now, there's also an understanding if they don't, if they refuse any of these things, that they must go. And I'll tell you one thing that happens with 100% of the people that come in my office who are in that age group, not the parents, but the, the, the adult children, is when they're out on the street, they figure it out. I can, tr- I can guarantee you they will figure it out. And that is where the model of, of good work and, and integrity and dignity comes into that. Um, you have to treat them with integrity and dignity and modeling good behavior with expectations. So modeling of those good works. And that is you paying your bills and everything on time, but then also expecting them to do the same as well, but treat them with dignity. So you can't comment on what they are doing or not doing as long as they're paying rent and as long as they're employed or they're going to school and you have them living in your house, that's it. Because your days of parenting are over. Uh, This is now just observance. If they ask you advice or whatever, that's different. But just... Just got to let it be. <laughs> um, it's it's interesting when I'm dealing with parents who struggle with an understanding of what a disciplined lifestyle is. This generation is one that's driven by social media, social opinion, consensus uh, through their peers, appearance, those kinds of things. I, you know, I'm not going to pretend like I, I get it because I don't, I'm of the age group where, you know, I'm almost 60. So I, some of the stuff I I don't understand with the appeal, but I'm sure my parents felt the same about me and their parents about them. Um, so I can't, I can't be judgy about what's, what's, you know, good or bad. Uh, I just have to observe, um, drugs and alcohol. Drugs and alcohol are the vehicle for problems. Um, And so if drugs and alcohol are part of what's going on in their lives, they can't be getting high, getting drunk in your house and not doing anything because what you're doing is you're enabling their self-destruction. It's got to stop. And the part that stops is the tolerance of that behavior. If they can't stop, they must go. And if they go, they go. It's, oh, I, they're going to, something bad's going to happen. I don't want them to feel bad. I don't want the bad things to happen to them. You're not doing anything that's going to cause bad things to happen to them. Because bad things, I promise you, bad things are going to happen to them. Even when they're in your house, getting high and getting drunk. I promise you, I do this as a profession. I see it every day. Bad things will happen to them if they're getting high and drunk in your house or out of your house and they're living somewhere else. It doesn't matter. They will overdose. They will get arrested. They will lose their way. They will drop out of school. They will get fired, whether they're in your house or out of your house. 
The only difference is if they're in your house, then they have somewhere to go if something happens. And so it's a lot more enticing to engage in destructive behavior when there is zero consequence and they have someplace to go. So in a lot of ways, you are actually harming your children when you allow them to stay in your house. So it's that spare the rod, spoil the child kind of biblical thinking. If I, if I spare the rod, I'm going to spoil the child. Well, in this case, if you spare the rod, you're kind of contributing to the destruction of the child who is an adult and a destroyed adult is a mess. And as much as I would like to say, Hey, keep doing that. Cause it keeps me in business. I'd rather be out of business or out of that part of the business. If it meant parents were kind of enforcers of reality. And so the enforcement of reality is what's going to save that kid who is now an adult. So we have a rental agreement. We have expectations of conduct in your house that this adult is living in. And finally, there must be a timeline. Having an adult child living in your house indefinitely is a formula for disaster. You must have a timeline. So if school, college is their goal and is what they're doing, then they must be doing it. If they drop out and say, well, I'm going to, it's February. No, it's, uh, it's December. I'm going to take a semester off. Then the clock starts ticking. Okay, well, you have 30 days and you were either employed and you now pay rent because grades were rent or you're vacating the premises and it can't be they finished school and now they're back home and they're not working and they're not doing anything. <laughs> That's not good either. So there's got to be a timeline. We're going to do this because you're working, but you have one year or you have six months and then you have to find a place to live. This is a stopgap measure for you to get your life together, to be an adult. And it's funny when I, they're in my office, when the parent is in my office and I keep talking about this adult, I can see their, their eyes glaze over. They, they get this look on their face like they can't believe I'm, I'm mentioning adult over and over again. They are an adult. Treat them like an adult. and so. You, you, you see them as an adult, they're an adult, just like it was, you know, Frank who lives next door or, or Susan who lives next door, they're adults, they're not children. So the timeline is an enforcement of an adult behavior. My lease is up in a year in an apartment and I have to let them know 60 days in advance that I'm going to either vacate or I'm going to continue the lease or it goes month to month and I pay an additional $200 a month or whatever on top of my normal lease. If I'm at work, I have to show up. And then if I plan on leaving and going to another job or whatever, I give them a notice. There's always a timeline for things in the adult world. So you must treat them like adults. Parents who believe that they're trying to protect their children from suffering, so they have to make sure that they don't feel bad are are really doing a lot of harm to their children as they're raising them. 
Proverbs 22 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And if you think that training them up to be locked in your basement, smoking pot and drinking and not working and not being responsible is where you want them to be, then by all means do that. But that's not how they actually should be. You want them to be successful, and that means they're going to have to learn how to win and how to lose with equal amounts of vigor. So don't let them not suffer, but don't let them suffer too much. And if they're already adults, you have to start treating them like adults. So let's treat our children with respect and dignity, but still have an expectation that they be adults. thanks for listening to this episode of Doc Shock, the Addiction Lifeguard, and our topic of failure to launch. I'm going to have a guest uh, again coming in talking about failure to launch. I'm uh, hopefully getting a parent to come in and talk about their experience from the transition from failure to launch parent to launch parent, and they can share their experience and their wisdom with you. As an addiction specialist, I would uh, hope that after thinking about it, you maybe want to move towards recovery. And if you have a loved one in your family who is an addict and is struggling with addiction, you can get help for them. So wherever you are in the world, wherever you're listening to this, there are resources out there for you and to help you in recovery. Since this is a topic, uh, today's episode was a topic for parents. I would also like to mention that there is always Al-Anon out there and I strongly urge you to get online and do an Al-Anon meeting or five. (laughs) Uh, Al-Anon is for the parents, the family, the husband, the wife, the children of the addict. It doesn't give you the answer. It helps you through your recovery of their addiction. If you are an addict yourself and you need help, reach out. To you can reach out to me at uh, through my website wellspringmindbody.com. You can contact me directly for help. If you are in an area that's another part of the country, besides uh, South Lake Texas or the Northern Virginia area, um, you can uh, seek help locally. Go to meetings, NA, AA, any of the A's. You can seek out guidance from an addiction specialist like myself, somebody who specializes in addiction treatment. You can also go to rehab. It's a great first step towards recovery. If nothing else, go to a meeting. Walk in, or I guess now it's online until we can walk in, but attend a meeting. There, Every hour on the hour, 24 hours a day, you can find meetings. Go to meetings. Get the help reach out to a professional who can help you get into recovery. There's there's just no way you can do this on your own, unsupported. So get the help, get in the recovery community, be a part of our community. It's not how many times you fall down that really matter. It's how many times you get back up. And you only have to get up that one last time to get into recovery. Remember, it's not worth losing your life to save your addiction.